0: Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin While you hear do snoring lie, open-eyed conspiracy, his time doth take. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium, and it's good to be back in the air chair after two weeks away. What I thought was uh, just a simple case of laryngitis and a really bad cold... Turned out to be pneumonia, which I, I guess I'm a typical male in that regard. I didn't go to the doctor when I should have, and I let it go on for, uh, well, far too long. And then one night, I, I felt I was literally drowning in my own fluids. And uh, so luckily, the mighty Aphrodite stepped in and whisked me to a, a nearby medical clinic. The good doctor listened to my back and chest and asked, Do you have asthma? I said, No. He said, Then you have pneumonia. Uh, anyway, so uh, I finished my antibiotics and I finished with my inhaler. Uh, but the voice, it's more or less back to normal. The energy level is definitely not where it should be. So this is going to be really the first test of my voice. So as an insurance policy, I've asked my good friend and colleague, Victor Vigiani, from Zeland News Network to join me in studio in case my voice starts to fail and get a little thin. So, Victor, thank you for being here. Oh, it's wonderful
1: to be here as a backup plan in any case. And we, we are a stubborn lot, aren't we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are indeed. And listen, I, again, I know I, I sent you an email immediately after the show, uh, after listening to it, but i got to thank you again for filling in for me last week and uh, in the 11th hour. Uh, and what an interview with Daniel Kaiser on Malaysian Flight 370. Compelling stuff, Victor. Thank you for that.
1: Well, it was a real insight for me, too, and a real journey in, in many, many different ways. I know I took you out of your,
0: your, your comfort zone last week, talking about missing planes and pyramids in Bosnia, uh, and you did Yeoman's Duty. And I'm going to uh, press you into duty again tonight on another topic, not necessarily in your wheelhouse, and that would be UN Agenda 21, Uh, About a month ago, I had Dr. Timothy Ball, noted skeptic of anthropogenic global warming, on uh, to discuss his new book, The Corruption of Climate Science. And at that time, I mentioned uh, to Tim that I wanted to put together a radio program on UN Agenda 21, and he jumped at the chance to participate uh, because he suspects, as I do, and a growing chorus of people do from all walks of life and political stripes, that the United Nations blueprint for the 21st century, which was adopted at the Earth Summit in Rio back in 1992, is not just some innocuous, uh, uh about some innocuous sounding terms like uh, sustainable development and smart growth and social justice, which all sound like wonderful terms. Hard to agree or disagree with them on the surface. But underneath that, Underneath that, there are many who are beginning to suspect that UN Agenda 21 is really a blueprint for authoritarian one world government, and that the social engineers at the UN are using the perceived threat of environmental catastrophe, things like global warming, to coerce governments around the world into adapting, adopting rather, UN Agenda 21. So, what is it? What is Agenda 21? Essentially, as I see it, the UN wants to inventory every resource on the planet, every human activity. So think about it. They want to inventory and control all land, all water, all minerals, all plants, all animals, all construction, all means of production, all energy, all education, all information, all human beings in the world. That's Agenda 21 all in the name of sustainable development and it's an incremental plan as i see it to strip north americans in particular they don't like the middle class they don't like the north american lifestyle they don't like the ideas of private property and private automobiles this could be the end of private property the end of pro- i'm not i don't think i'm exaggerating we're all going to be herded into uh, urban centers, stacked housing, high-density living. That's the smart growth that your city council and regional government is talking about. People will be chased off family farms. This is, in many ways, a war against rural people. They're going to be chased off family farms out of the countryside into cities where we can all be controlled and surveilled. Am I overstating the case? Well, let's find out. Let's welcome back to the program Dr. Timothy Ball, a renowned environmental consultant, former professor of climatology at the University of Winnipeg, served on many local and national committees and as chair of provincial boards on water management, environmental issues, and sustainable development. There's that word again. He's got an extensive scientific background in climatology, especially in the reconstruction of past climates and the impact of climate change on human history, and his latest book is The Corruption of Climate Science. Tim, how are you?
2: I'm fine um, and glad to see you back and hope you can uh, hang together, but uh, will I'll help you out uh, as much as I can.
0: I appreciate it and uh, I've also got my good friend and colleague Victor Vigiani uh, in studio as well. Say hello to Victor.
2: How are you, Victor? Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll pull off a good program here. Incidentally, um, I'd never mentioned it before, but I was born on November 5th. The significance of that, and whether, you know, the, uh, whether we're into astrology and the influence of the stars and so on. But anyway, I, November 5th is in England is known as Guy Fawkes Day. Ah, yes. Right? And Guy Fawkes, of course, uh, conspiracy theorist par excellence. Yes. Um, I yeah. prefer the comment that uh, somebody said he's the only person that ever went to Parliament with good intentions.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, <laughs> right. indeed.
2: Uh, but,
0: Have um, I overstated... Have I overstated the concerns about U.N. Agenda
2: 21? No, and and you know what I wrote down as you were talking about all the data collection? um, The Doomsday Book. You know, when William the Conqueror invaded Britain, um, the first thing he ordered was a complete inventory of everything in Britain. Who owned the land, how many cows they had. And, and of course, that's what you do if you're planning to take control. And, And so... The uh, the whole idea of Agenda 21 and data collection, information is power, and and uh, so if if that's your primary objective, you're telling people what you're intending to do, and and uh, you're not not overstating it at all. In fact, I would say that you're understating it, and and really? um, yeah, oh yeah, uh, uh, so much of it is already going on. Um, when when you look at uh, law of the sea, control of the oceans. Um, uh, national boundaries and so on and so forth. Um, it, it so much of it is underway, and of course, it transcends the national governments, and and uh, so that, that it goes on without many governments being aware of, of of what they're doing. It's like when when you join any you join anything, even in a marriage, you you automatically surrender something. But you make a decision as to whether what you gain by being part of it outweighs the what you lose. But you always lose something. And um, we're, we're seeing that now. It's, it's breaking down with the uh, Russian invasion of, of the Ukraine. And, uh, of course, the parallels were made with Putin going into uh, Crimea, with Hitler going into the Sudetenland in, in, uh, prior to the First, Second World War. And um, and we could talk about that, by the way, about how they always find academic justification uh, for what they're doing. But um, that that uh, that whole uh, uh, problem that developed out of Hitler going into the state and land was because of all the treaties that had that these countries had, had committed themselves to. I mean, Britain got drawn into it because they had a treaty with France. That said, if France is, is invaded, then we will support France. Not knowing that France had a treaty with Poland that said if Poland's invaded, France is committed. And and to give you an idea about these uh, these commitments and how you get gradually drawn in by these treaties, one of the ways that Lenin got the Russian army which was essentially the middle class, which, of course, was critical to his revolution, well, the way he got the army to stop fighting in the First World War, remember the revolution occurred in 1917, right, right. was he, he simply said, look, I, I've got uh, access to all all of the treaties, and he exposed them. And he said, look, you're, you're fighting, you're, you're dying for nothing, because uh, the, the, the uh, who gets what after the war has already been agreed on.
0: There you go. Uh, I mean, I, I would um, not that we're necessarily talking about uh, Putin, but I, I mean, I, no, I, no. I, have, I have an entirely different take on what's happening there. That's another show. Yeah, uh,
2: well, of course, but but as I said, my 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 point was that the public and many times governments have no idea right. of what previous governments have committed them to. And, of course, those that are looking to t- to, for total global power are aware of that.
0: Right. Well, let's, let's dial back to 1992 and the Earth yep. Summit, which, again, on the surface sounds like a wonderful thing. We all want to be good stewards of the Earth. Uh, and this is when this blueprint for the 21st century, which is where Agenda 21 gets its name, the blueprint for the 21st century. Uh, we had about 178, 180 signatures uh, to this uh, agreement. But the U.N. says, but it's all voluntary. It's all voluntary. How do you respond to that?
2: Well, I mean, it, it's voluntary in the sense of if you're being misled and misguided and, and duped, and, and And of course, one of the giveaways is the production of 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 phrases and terminologies like sustainable development it, it it's, it's I've always said it's a term that means everything to everyone and nothing to anyone right and the reason I became aware of that and, and by the way, think about this um, the the way that you marginalize people so, and I think we talked about this last time richard is is that you say, okay, if you dare to ask questions about Obama, oh you're a birther right so so simply by being labeled by that these groups then can isolate you as some kind of a fringe that, that well the majority don't listen to that guy and they did it with global warming skeptics and and, and uh, climate change deniers and all these other things and and so these marginalizings that go on are a giveaway sustainable development all these terms were deliberately created to uh, as part of the pr for um, the uh, Agenda 21, um, it was a term that came out of a report done by Gro Harlem Brundtland, who was a, um, a socialist uh, prime minister of Norway. Um, and the reason I realized that the term was meaningless was because I was asked to write uh, an article about sustainable agriculture, and I, and I realized sustainable agriculture made sense. Sure. that, that you, you want an agriculture that's not going to exploit the soils too much, not going to deplete resources, blah, blah, blah. Then I looked at sustainable development again and said, why doesn't it work? And the answer is because it's two nouns.
0: Ah, two nouns. Interesting. Right.
2: It, 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 it's it's gra- grammatically rubbish. <laughs> it's, here's the way it works.
0: Listen, it, I'll, I'll get you to explain how it works, uh, Tim. Yeah, we'll okay. take a time out, come back. We're talking about UN Agenda 21, Victor Vigiani, in studio from... Zeland uh, News Network and on the line uh, Tim Ball, Dr. Timothy Ball the author of The Corruption of Climate Science UN Agenda 21 is it merely an innocuous uh, blueprint for the 21st century for sustainable development or is it a blueprint for authoritarian one world government we'll discuss on the other side The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett stay with us Where there's smoke there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, so here's the idea. In the name of sustainable development, in the name of social justice, whatever that means. Hard to disagree with social justice, but what does it mean? So in the name of smart growth and social justice and and uh, sustainable development, they want to chase everybody into herd, like cattle, everybody into these urban centers. We'll be basically living in stacked housing, high rises, no more cars, you'll be on mass transit, uh, you'll be told where to work, what to eat, you may not even have need of an appliance. I think, I, I, you know, I think they'd love to get rid of our appliances, our microwaves, and our washers, and our dryers, and our stoves. You know, am I overstating it? I don't think so. Now, what are they gonna do with the rest of the land? They're gonna have these large urban centers, maybe 10, 12 million people, surrounding this, are going to be these massive wilderness corridors where no humans are allowed to go because humans bad, right? We're like a cancer. We're destroying Gaia, the earth. So you've got these wilderness corridors. They're going to be rewilded. They're going to reintroduce wolves and bisons and all of these things. Except we can't go there, but who can? I'm guessing the elites, right? It'll be like a return to the, the feudal age where the lords and the vassals get to hunt. And uh, we serfs, basically, get herded into these slums. Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network. I'll give Victor a chance to jump in here, and I'll rest my voice a little bit. Tim Ball, uh, the author of The Corruption of Climate Science, is with us as well. Now, you were making a very interesting note about the term sustainable development. It's two nouns. Grammatically, it doesn't work.
2: It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah exactly and and the proof of that by the way is is you can make some sense out of it and, and something that could form the basis of reasonable policy and that is if you simply say we need to develop a sustainable society and so you make a sentence out of it instead of a glib uh, political catchphrase and and of course that these are signs of control but um, just what that you just mentioned the idea about um, control, and I, I want to read a quote for you, because if the, the phrase comes up in uh, later on in the uh, Club of Rome, which of course, as I'll, I'll explain to you, is the foundation of the ideas that uh, have become Agenda 21. But but you mentioned about uh, hurting the people, uh, and and by the way, one one uh, area that is of particular um, hatred, uh, Obama, for example, uh, anti uh, the suburbs. The suburbs represent everything that these people despise, and and of course, as you're talking about about having everybody in these high rises, and then immediately outside of that are these vast areas. Uh, the suburbs are the real difference in, in advancement of society because that's where you have your individual home and your individual freedoms and so on. But anyway, back to the, the 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 underlying theme is that humans there are too many of them, particularly too many to be controlled. So you need to reduce the numbers because they are they are putting too much pressure on the resources of the planet, and that it's much easier to control people uh, in smaller numbers. And uh, if you can determine who gets born and who doesn't, then you have the ultimate control. Now, if you want to see some hints of that in the 20th century, uh, look at China with its uh, one-child-per-family uh, situation to uh, claiming that they had to reduce the population what a lot of people don't know is that china you were allowed to have a second child but that child did not exist as far as the state was concerned that if you wanted to have that second child and you could afford to pay for it then go ahead but as far as the state was concerned they, that that child did not exist they were persona non grata Interesting. and and of course this this is a this is all about the ultimate in control and but here's the quote that I wanted to read you, and it's from um, uh, Ingrid Newkirk, who was um, the one of the leaders of the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, and and um, this is another whole part of this this idea about um, whether we're whether we're animals or not, or whether we can be herded like animals, uh, as these people seem to think. Uh, but Ingrid New- Newkirk said, "Mankind is a cancer." Hmm. Now, that's a phrase that you've already read, I know, in in the Club of Rome documents, the 1994 uh, Club of Rome treatise on, on Agenda 21. Mankind is a cancer. We're the biggest blight on the face of the earth. If you haven't given voluntary human extinction much thought before, the idea of a world with no people in it may seem strange. But if you give it a chance, I think you might agree that the extinction of Homo sapiens would mean survival for millions, if not billions, of Earth-dwelling species. My God. Phasing out the human race will solve every problem on Earth, social and environmental. Okay? And, and you, you get this bizarre, I mean, that's an extreme example, obviously, but, but between that and reducing the numbers, which is what uh, Agenda 21 is all about, then you get uh, Suzuki who is very much a part of this whole idea. And he, he said, economics is a very species, chauvinistic idea. No other species on Earth, and there may be 30 million of them, has had the nerve to put forth a concept called economics, in which one species, us, declares the right to put value on everything else on Earth in the living and non-living world.
0: So we um, are on the same par as, a, as an armadillo, a yep. sewer rat. Yep. Um,
2: Yeah, Yeah, and therefore we, we, we deserve to be controlled. But of course, what's wrong with Suzuki's comment is that other animals do put a value on everything. It's either food or it isn't. And it doesn't get any more basic than that. Right, right. Right and and of course control of world food production um, is, is another huge part of of the agenda 21. Um, but the the uh, the other thing is of course that um, he's wrong about the 30 million uh, species. There's actually many more than, than that. Um, but but it, it doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. It, it the end justifies the means. And and so the Club of Rome. Um, is really central to understanding Agenda 21. Uh, it grew out in the 60s. It grew out, and by the way, it's still the people that are driving it, it the intellectuals, the academics still driving it, uh, are at work today. And I mean that deliberately because just, just a couple of days ago, we got the IPCC came out with a report saying that it's far worse than we thought. That report of 2,000 pages... Was written by uh, professors at Stanford University, which was where all of these ideas about overpopulation and the Club of Rome originated back in in the uh, in the nineteen sixties and seventies.
1: Was that the limits to growth?
2: Limits to growth, exactly, exactly. And and uh, just to give you an idea of, of the thinking behind these people, uh, Stephen Schneider, who was very very much a part of of not just the uh, uh, agenda 21, but also the whole um, climate issue Um, in, in discover magazine in 1989, um, he made this comment. He said, um, um, like most people, we would, we'd like to see the world a better place, which in this context translates into our working to reduce the risk of potentially disastrous climate change to do that. We have to get some broad-based support to capture the public's imagination. That, of course, entails getting loads of media coverage. So we have to offer up scary scenarios, make simplified dramatic statements, and make little mention of any doubts we might have. Each of us has to decide what the right balance is between being effective and being honest. Now, if that last statement doesn't scare the hell out of everybody, I don't know what will.
1: Well, it all has to do with, with, with language, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. when you take a look at the whole language of mendacity, and my background is in, in uh, linguistics, yeah. and it, it, I'll just give you an example. If you were to remove all of the, the vocabulary or all of the language around, say, the word or the concept of botany, there would be no botany. We'd be, we'd have no way of conceptualizing it. So what we have now in in, in, the, in in the current situation, you have the words healthcare, which really means the elimination of the lower class. What you have is income tax. It's it's a way of robbing the middle class. And what you have now is a mission, the mission statement by Monsanto, which really gives permission to eradicate a specific segment of society. And GMOs translated. Basically, a formula for genetic modification of, of human beings. So that whole idea of linguistics, and I think you are pointed out really, really well, if you control the language, you control yep. I- ideology, and I think that's what you're saying.
2: Yeah, I- exactly. And then, if you, can, if you as a leader um, are not necessarily into linguistics or to theory, you can, if you can go and find an academic that would provide academic and intellectual justification for what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I deliberately introduced uh, Hitler going into the Sudetenland, and um, because Hitler, um, even though, yeah, he was a ruthless dictator, um, these people are still, they still want to look good in the, in the face of the world. So they want to be able to say, well, look, I'm just doing what the academics say is perfectly justifiable. Now, there was a German geographer, and this starts in in the 1890s, by the name of Friedrich Ratzel. And Ratzel um, said that uh, nations are organisms just like cells, and just like a creature. And um, and this, of course, is is adapting Darwinism. It's social Darwinism is really what it is. And, And Ratzel said that each nation has the uh natural authority to expand at the expense of the weaker nations around it lebensraum exactly there's that term and lebensraum is the word that ratzel produced in his work that's where it came from Mm. now there was another academic by the name of yellen k-j-e-l-l-e-n and he said yeah not only is the, uh, have these stronger states um, the natural right to expand at the, extent of the, uh, at the expense of the weaker ones, but they have the right to use force to do it. So, of course, now Hitler's got all of the academic justification that he needs for what he is doing. And and so, of course, if you are, are um, uh, somebody like a Maurice Strong, who's looking to take power, who's got a, a, a totally socialist and, and a, a view of the world where you think government should be running everything, then if you can find academics that are going to ju- provide that for you, and that's exactly what he found in these academics at Stanford University. Well, you, and you, by the, yeah.
0: Sorry, you mentioned, you mentioned yeah. uh, Hitler, and, and then we yeah. were talking about the UN, and people are, might be saying, well, wait a minute, how could you compare one to the other? But at, at, at the core... You know, National Socialism, they were collectivists. They were Malthusians. The good yeah. of the group outweighs the good of the individual. Exactly. And and to me, that is the greatest threat facing humanity today, Yep. is the collectivist mindset where they've created this fiction called the group. There is right. no such thing as a group. A group is made up of individuals. Right. It's like, you know, you, you can't hug a forest, which is a group of trees, but you can hug a tree. Yep. So these... People and this philosophy now is is becoming part of the core curriculum in schools. They are brainwashing our children. Yep. Uh, There was a recently in the United States. There was an exercise. A woman found her grade three, uh, uh, her child in grade three, brought home this assignment where she was told, pick two uh, amendments in the Bill of Rights that we don't need and get rid of them, and then add two new ones. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? How do you mm-hmm. decide which civil liberties we don't need anymore? This is what's going on in the educational system, the move yep. towards collectivism. This scares me to no end.
2: Well, of course, if you look at, uh, uh, at the Catholic Church, they created the, the Jesuits under Ignatius Loyola, and he was one of the first people to say, give me the child and I'll give you the adult." And, of course, that was uh, uh, adopted into Hitler Youth, that, that same concept, that uh, if you can grab the child and, and uh, baptize them. But, by the, but beyond all of that, I was on a program the other day, and, and somebody phoned in and said, you know, the U.S. is the last uh, chance for uh, freedom of speech and freedom of the individual. And I said, no, they're the first chance. They're the only country in the history of the world. That ever took as the basis of its foundation the the rights of the individual above the collectivism, right. and and not only that, but they were the first country in the world to recognize the right to uh, private ownership of land. Now people will say, oh well, there was private ownership of land in medieval England and Europe and so on. Yes. But it was not by the individual. It was by very, very powerful people. And, and uh, everybody, uh, the majority of the people were simply tenant farmers, essentially slaves in that medieval exactly. system.
0: Listen, I've got to take another time out, uh, yes, Dr. Thanks. Ball. Victor Vigiani in studio from Zeland News Network. Tim Ball, the corruption of climate science. But this time around, we're discussing UN Agenda 21 using the perceived threat of environmental catastrophe to usher in one-world governments. Back with more. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back to the program. We're talking about the United Nations Agenda 21 and what it all means. Is it a blueprint for wonderful terms like social justice and and, and and smart growth and sustainable development? Or is it, in fact, all about inventory and control and the end of things like private property? Uh, Tim Ball is with us, the author of The Corruption of Climate Science. And uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, Tim, about how this is being implemented. Because uh, while the UN says it's, it's voluntary, what is... Really driving this, from what I understand, is a group that formed in Germany prior to the Earth Summit, and it's called the International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives, otherwise known as ICLI. Tell me about their role and how this Agenda 21 is being implemented at the local, regional levels.
2: Well, of course, one, one of the things that, uh, before it got to that uh, that group... Um, it, it, the, the idea was spawned in, in, uh, in America, um, as I said, through the well the Club of Rome, but the Club of Rome itself, obviously with the name Rome, was triggered by a few industrialists and it 's a very interesting thing in history. I mean you, you see it with Bill Gates, they make a lot of money and it 's almost as if they feel guilty about making money, and they have to go and save the planet. And, as H.L. Mencken said several years ago, the urge to save the planet is almost always a false front for the urge to rule. Mm. And, and um, so, uh, the, the Club of Rome starts with a group of industrialists. It then gets picked up in, at Stanford, um, and the Club of Rome took uh, Malthus's idea, the Malthusian idea, that people were going to outgrow their food supply and and Malthus actually um, although he was a minister of the church i 'm not sure how Christian he was because he was arguing that the things like poor laws and 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 help for the the, the poorer people and and food banks and so on were were uh, were huge problems because they were encouraging people that shouldn 't be born to be born. Because one of one of the things when you start talking about population control, you, it's not only numbers; it's also the quality, um, as you define it, of the people that you want to keep alive. And that, of course, uh, it, it evolved into eugenics, uh, which you saw with with Hitler and, and all, all the rest of it. But it was very prominent throughout the world.
1: Well, yes, he got his. The racial
0: hygiene laws were based on. The the uh, the eugenicist movement in the United States.
2: Oh, exactly, and, and, Mod, and by the, way, um, yeah. the
0: people you know, the, the den mother of uh, Planned Parenthood and all of these groups uh, yes. that were involved in eugenics, and even our own uh, God I you know, but he yep. was voted the greatest Canadian, but Tommy Douglas was yep. into eugenics, and oh
2: yeah, and
0: there's a paper sitting at the University of Toronto talking about you know sterilizing the handicapped and so forth. These were his ideas.
2: But what what's the common theme of that? The common theme of that is that they are um, essentially uh, socialists. They're left wing. They believe in uh, total government or larger government control, and and some of them total government control. The good of the so many outweighs
0: always. the good of the the few or the individual.
2: Well, yes, of course. But one of the things that's happened in today's society, as we're seeing it, is that uh, yeah, we had the tyranny of the majority. But what have we placed it with? With the tyranny of the minority and and uh, that that's what political correctness is all about and it's like i've always said you know that the tail has always wagged the dog but what you've got going on now is a flea on the hair on the tail is wagging the dog uh, because of this argument um about uh, stopping tyranny but the club of rome um formulated around malthus's idea and by the way richard is very interesting um uh, Darwin took Malthus's essay on population with him on the Beagle. Mm. And he agreed with uh, Malthus that, um, you know, population or people shouldn't be born that, that are, are not fit. The, the whole concept is purely um, animals and not human, the survival of the fittest. And, and Darwin believed in that. And, and, of course, one of the challenges to Darwin – and, and, and uh, let me step aside here for a second – by choosing Darwin as their champion to defeat religion, science encamp- or blocked any challenge or question to Darwin's theory. It doesn't work, it doesn't fit the reality, but nobody, no scientist would dare to say that because they have this fear of, oh, the creationists are going to come leaping out of the, the closet. It
0: became the new them. religion.
2: Exactly. Let
0: me take a time out, uh, Dr. Tim Ball with us, Victor Vigiani in studio, UN Agenda 21. Something nefarious this way comes.
1: shaking the world, and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
0: All right, Uh welcome back. I, I want to uh, get Victor Vigiani to jump in here with a question, uh, uh, but I, I did want to just bring you back to the sort of the foot soldiers in this that are... Uh, informing a lot of the, the local uh, city councils and rewriting zoning laws in a very undemocratic process and, and how land is to be used and so forth. And again, it's this International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives. Can you just give us a sense of how this works and how the agenda is being implemented? And then Victor will jump in here.
2: Implemented because they're turning um, the, the structure of society upside down. Now um, probably the easiest way for people to understand this is that um, if we do it on an income tax basis, and you mentioned about that, a tax on the middle class and so on. But originally, uh, with the U.S. And, and Canada or Britain, whatever, uh, if you were to write a check for your uh, federal tax, uh, net today it's about thirty four percent of your income and provincial is about eighteen and nineteen percent and the same with the states and municipal is about nine percent but who provides for you most on a daily basis and the answer is municipal but that was the original uh, pyramid uh, was that the federal was about six six to nine percent uh, the uh, uh, provincial or, or state was about eighteen, and municipal was about thirty-four percent. So what we've seen in the tax structure and in the legal structure is a complete turning upside down of society, uh, so that um, that the the federal government are overriding everything. They're using the environmental uh, as as a, a reason for doing that, and and of course by by taking that that federal control they they tended to lose the conduit the access down to the municipal level so the group uh, that that you identified there is is set up to overcome that to to give control right back down to the municipal level again but without giving the power to that level and uh, we've seen these struggles going on uh, around the world. I mean, you see, you see what's going on. The Founding Fathers in the U.S. understood that. States' rights. And, and they, they, they believe that that was the, the, the largest or the highest level that you should go to, that, that uh, Washington should be uh, deliberately controlled and restricted.
0: Yeah, mint the money, provide for the common defense, and build some roads and some bridges.
2: Yeah, Exactly. Uh, but, but you see in every, in every country in the world exactly the opposite is happening, and it's, it's, it's two things. it's One, it's by design, but it's also, unfortunately, by the way that things grow. Right. That, that if you give people power, um, or when you think about it, you create, you've got a problem, you create a government department to, to solve it, that government department then uh, sets about not solving the problem, but perpetuating the problem in order to perpetuate itself. It
1: becomes a synthetic beast. So let me get exactly. Victor, Victor Vigiani in here. I just want to throw in a, another idea here, yep. um, and maybe just, just for the sake of our listeners too. It, it, it seems to me that you know we're in a process here of uh, you know we're talking to several thousand people that are listening right now. Um, y- How do you make aware or or convince people, A, that this is really going on, and and then, B, uh, that that we are either powerless or powerful to change it, and then if any change is attempted by the people that are being uh, this is being foisted upon, that change activity or that action is branded as as anarchy, and it just seems to be a situation where this is a no-win situation for the people that are going to be uh, displaced by all of this.
2: Yeah, well, of course, one of the the ways we've already discussed is is in this use of terminology, like the birthers or or isolating anybody that dares to to challenge or to question, and and um, you know, to be brutally honest, I mean, Hitler was said leaders are lucky that most people don't think, you know what I mean? It's 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 so cynical and sadly true, and and um, so. What you, what you end up with, uh, Richard, is really two choices. You see this throughout history. You either have change by uh, evolution or revolution. And, and the sad part is that of all my study of civilizations in history is that people just simply say, well, well, and I'll, I'll give you an example of it. There, I took seniors on tours of Europe, and we used to go to Pompeii. And one of the tours of Pompeii that I did was just looking at the graffiti there. And they were having an election just prior to the eruption. And one of the pieces of graffiti says, if we get rid of this bunch of scoundrels, we just get another bunch of scoundrels.
0: How timely. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. And now, now what, what, you, what you see throughout history, and, and I've studied it from, you know, uh, Toynbee's Studies on civilization and Will and Ariel Durant and so on, but the only time that the that the, the mass of the public will get rid of leaders is one if there is uh, starvation, if the food supply fails, and 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 uh, I'll give you an example of that just recently. They were going on about oh in Egypt there was a, you know Arab Spring and the, the people in Egypt were rioting against Mubarak and, and all the rest of it. The reality was. The food prices had gone through the roof. Those were food riots. They were not political, democratic riots. Those are countries that have haven't even a shred of concept of democracy at any level, and and and, and have never had. And so, uh, th- this idea, the other way, the other reason that people will rise up against leadership, I suppose, is the uh, the ultimate control, and that is if the leaders demonstrate that they think they're there um, because they're so good or because of some other f- authority. That is, they forget that they are only leaders because the people choose to let them be leaders or deign to leave them in place. Um, and and the minute that the leader shows the, that they're not aware of that, then they'll get rid of them. Now, the classic examples, of course, are Charles I, who said, no, I'm, I'm here by divine right. I'm not here at, at, at the Will of the people, so they chopped his head off. And then, and then, uh, of course, Louis XVI said, I am the state, let's house moi. And, and there's that use of terminology again and phrase, phraseology. Well, they chopped his head off. And, and so when, when you see, uh, and of course this is starting to show with Obama, where he's, he's bypassing the Congress. Now the Congress are, are, are being weak by not asserting their authority as given to them by the Founding Fathers, who, by the way, understood all of these things in startling clarity. That's what's amazing about about the Founding Fathers. Um, and, and, and so uh, those are the only two ways that people will get rid of, of uh, bad government.
1: Though the
0: tree it, of liberty must be occasionally watered with the blood of tyrants.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Is that what it's and, going to
0: take to overturn uh, Agenda Twenty-One? Is revolution?
2: Well, uh, hopefully, uh, that—that's been the history. That—that that has been the history. And and of course, as Santayana said, those that are, don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Um, but of course, Santayana also said that um, historians are greater than God because they can change history and he can't.
0: And Twain but, said history doesn't repeat, but occasionally there's an echo.
2: Uh, Yeah, that's right. But I think that the next phase in the development of the United States, which, as I I mentioned earlier, is a truly unique uh, experiment in social and political uh, power um, in the history of mankind, um, that uh, the next phase is for them to find a uh, a political, without bloodshed way of reasserting the right of the individual. But it, the problem they have is it's not only under threat from within, it's under threat from without, and of course that's what Agenda 21 is all about. Right.
1: Let me get Victor in here again, please. Now, I, I'm just wondering that uh, in, in some circumstances uh, in, in history, it's been pretty well a rule of thumb that 6%, you mentioned ways that things change, 6% unemployment uh, was was uh, was gave people permission to riot. Now, when you get to, like double that right now in any of the, the modern industrial countries, uh, w- why have people not risen to the occasion to say, listen, you're, you're slowly boiling us in, in a cauldron of, of water and we're not really paying attention to, to the heat of the water and they just completely accept the situation that they're in. What is, what, what's going on?
2: Well, of course, uh, the, the, uh, the difficulty is they're not aware they're in boiling water. And I'll read you a quote, and it, it, it was it was attributed to Lord Macaulay in 1857, but it, it actually wasn't him. Uh, but that, that, it doesn't matter who the source is. But the quote says, "A democracy cannot survive as a permanent form of government. It can last only until its citizens discover that they can vote themselves largesse from the public treasury." From that moment on, the majority who vote will vote for the candidates promising the greatest benefits from the public purse, with the result that a democracy will always collapse from loose fiscal policies, always followed with a dictatorship.
0: Especially now if you can just run the printing press and you don't have to let tax people uh, to pay for these programs, which is a wonderful Thing for, for the politicians.
2: Oh, oh, exactly, but they're not even running printing presses. It's it's all done electronically
1: right, now. Right, the electronic I version.
2: Mean, right. I, I love that story that I heard a, a few years ago about a, a guy that worked for a very uh, a large bank, large in the sense of the volumes of money that it was it was transferring internationally. and um, But they were doing it in, like, it was, you know, $3.445 billion instead of, of, you know, precise amount. So he went to his boss and said, well, at what point do I cut off the decimal point? (laughs) Right? And they said, well, you can go six decimal points. And he said, okay, fine. So then anything beyond six decimal points, he put into his own account. (laughs)
0: <laughs> too big to jail. That's too what big they to call
2: it. jail and too big to fail. And, 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 and of course, that, that's part of it, that people get caught up in these things. And, and um, I mean, if, if you look at the fact that, that, that here in, in supposedly the free speech and, and in the U.S., why on earth do you need whistleblower laws? Why do you need to protect people that are going to speak out and say, hey, this company is doing this wrong or this government's doing that wrong? If you have free speech, you either have it or you don't. And clearly, if you've got to pass whistleblower laws, you don't have it. Yeah,
0: precisely. Precisely. Just back to uh, to UN uh, Agenda 21 here for a yeah. moment. And, uh, uh, I mean, it goes by many different names, uh, you know, from city to city. And it's interesting, yeah. even if, you know, you go to Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, right. they've got a similar plan, but it goes by a different name. It's, but it's the same plan as Calgary has, and it goes by a different name. It might be, you know, uh, Future Calgary or something. They give them these clever names. Um, how can people be sort of on the guard, uh, on the lookout for this, to know whether it's happening in their regional government or their local, their local government?
2: Well, the first thing you do is, is that you recognize that anything any government tells you comes with an agenda. And, and, and it's that simple. You t- you just simply don't trust anything government tells you, um, and 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 view it cynically, um, because because you know it, it it has an agenda. Now, as you investigate it, of course you can then determine um, is is the agenda uh, reasonably acceptable? It's like my comment earlier when you enter into marriage or any relationship, you you say, well, you know, are there some good things in? Now that's exploited, of course, by the term the greater good. Well, who defines that? Exactly. Right? It, it, it's like, um, uh, it, well, uh, well there was another quote I had here. Um, but they talk about, well, in in the principle 15, which is one of the principles of Agenda 21, and they've built into it, of course, they, they say, oh, they have these nice flowery things at the beginning. But then you've got to build in uh, uh, words that allow you to get off the hook. All right, so principle 15 is one that everybody's familiar with, but have never really understood. A standard approach of environmentalists is the precautionary principle, right? Now, this is the argument, and I first ran into it in a public forum.
0: I got about 20 seconds here, Tim.
2: Okay. Uh, we, well, I ran into it in Ottawa, and we'll talk about it and what it means, because it's very critical to what we're talking about. Well,
0: we'll we we'll have to do it uh, next time. Oh, great. Right, uh, we're going to okay. wrap things up here, but we'll do a part two on Agenda 21. It's that important. Tim, thank you so much for your time.
2: Oh, you're very welcome.
0: The Corruption of Climate Science, UN Agenda 21. Victor Vigiani, thank you. It's been a pleasure. The website, richardserrett.com. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard And as always, follow the truth.